Lord has richly blessed us. He's been so good to us. Last year, we had several baptisms, and we praised the Lord for that. This year already, we've had four baptisms, and we praise the Lord for that. The last time that we were having a baptismal service, or one of the last times, I had planned on preaching about believers' baptism, and uh, the Lord led in a different direction that day. So this time, today, since we had baptism last week, and uh, surprise, surprise, uh, we've got another one planned for today. You'll learn more about that in a little bit. But I wanted to, I wanted to specifically focus on baptism today because this is so important for us to understand the concept, the meaning, what it is that we need to know about baptism and making sure that as we make a profession of faith in Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, it's not just about baptism. Understanding, if you will, the whole ball of wax or the complete package, the whole uh, teaching about what we are going to undertake and witness today. So turn with me in your Bibles, if you will, to Matthew chapter 3. Matthew chapter 3. Now this is where we're going to begin this morning, at the baptism of Jesus. Jesus' baptism as He comes to John at Galilee. Chapter 3, verse 13, we'll start reading there as we begin to we study this the idea of this, this ordinance of the church, believer's baptism. God's Word says to us in the third chapter of the Gospel of Matthew, verse 13, Then Jesus came from Galilee to John at the Jordan to be baptized by him. And John tried to prevent him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and are you coming to me? But Jesus answered and said to him, Permit it to be so now, for thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he allowed him, John allowed Jesus. When he had baptized Jesus, or when he had been baptized, Jesus came up immediately from the water, and behold, the heavens were opened to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And suddenly a voice came from heaven saying, this is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Believers' baptism. Let's pray together this morning. Father, we are especially grateful today for the ordinance of baptism. Father, as we get to witness again a believer expressing faith in Jesus Christ and following uh, the, the Lord in believers' baptism. You are amazing in all your ways, Father. I pray that you will help us to understand what we need to know about this ordinance because some have questions and there are some things that we need to understand. So, Lord, I'm just asking for you to teach us today in Jesus' name. Amen. So Jesus, at the beginning of his ministry, he goes to John. John is in the wilderness and he is preaching. He's preaching repentance 
he's telling all of those that are out there, repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. And he says, repent of your sins and be baptized into righteousness. Now, Jesus goes to John. And John is saying to him, you know, we've got this backwards. I need to be baptized by you. But Jesus says, permit it to be so now, for thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. The first thing that we need to know about baptism is it's the beginning of obedience. It's the beginning of obedience. It's commanded of us, we are to follow the Lord in believer's baptism. When we make a profession of Jesus as our Lord and Savior, one of the first things that we need to do is we need to follow Him in believer's baptism. Now, there's, that's not always the way we, we do things. Sometimes uh, folks will wait a little while. Understandable, I know that. And things happen and all those kinds of things. But here, here we are. This is what Jesus said. He says, it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. He was talking about his own baptism. And John basically was saying, hey, you don't need to be baptized because John was baptizing those who had repented of their sins. And Jesus was sinless. He was perfect. He didn't need to uh, be forgiven of anything. He had not done anything to be forgiven of. Sinless. And John knew that. John had proclaimed to his followers, there is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is the Messiah. This is the perfect one. This is, the, this is Jesus, the Son of God. Jesus did not need repentance because He had not done anything to repent of. But, Jesus said, permit it to be so now. For it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. So John allowed, John says, okay. And in other words, you're the boss. You're the Lord. You're the Son of God. You know what's best. So, he said that. And then, in verse 16... When he had been baptized, Jesus came up immediately from the water, and behold, the heavens were opened to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. Jesus, the heavens were opened to Jesus, and Jesus saw the Spirit coming down and lighting on himself. And suddenly a voice came from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. It was God's heavenly approval on what had just happened. Imagine John for just a moment. Jesus comes to him and he's like, wait a minute, hey, we've got it backwards. Let's, you, know, I'm not so, you need to baptize me because you're the one that I'm preaching about. You, you're the kingdom come. You are the kingdom master. You are the king. And Jesus says, let's do it this way because it's, it's the right thing to do. And then at the end of that, John, give, John gives way to Jesus. He, he defers to the Lord Jesus Christ because Jesus is the head. And then, after John submits to Jesus and baptizes Jesus, God gives His stamp of approval on the whole situation. All those standing around heard the words of God. 
this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Imagine that for just a moment now. You're there, you're hearing this, this guy dressed in camel hair and, and uh, the guy who eats crickets and grasshoppers and, and he, he lives out in the wilderness and he's preaching repentance and then you see this guy come up and, and you know there's a big to-do around him and he's baptized and then you hear a voice from heaven saying, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Think about... Did a chill just run down your back? Think about standing there and hearing that and saying, hey me, I'm next. Because I want to be pleasing to Him too. I want to follow Him. I want to, I want to, be in, I want to live in righteousness. I want to make sure that not only are my sins forgiven, but I am following the true and righteous One. I want heavenly approval as well through obedience. Now, turn with me, if you will, to Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2. This is the day of Pentecost. And Peter is preaching. And he's, uh, he's literally bearing down on them. Pointing the finger and saying, You are guilty. You're guilty of the blood of the Son of God. Because of you. He gave His life so that you could be redeemed. And He looked at the very ones that were there that may have had something to do with whatever was going on, and He looked at all those, He says, if you had a part in it, you're guilty. And if you didn't have a part in it, guess what? You're still guilty. You need to repent. So beginning in verse 36, he says there, Therefore let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God has made this Jesus whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. Now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? They recognized their guilt. They knew what was going on. And then Peter said this, Then Peter said to them, Repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. First of all, he said to repent. They, they realized their guilt, but that wasn't repentance. That was just acknowledgement. If you realize that you're guilty, that doesn't mean that you are repenting of your guilty. If you're sorry for what you've done and you, you promise not to do it again, if you are seeking to make amends for what you have done, that is repentance. Dr. Evans in our uh, video uh, on kingdom marriage, he says repentance is deciding, stopping and deciding to turn and go in the opposite direction. It's not just stopping and it's not just deciding. It's also going in the opposite direction. That's true repentance. It's okay to understand what you've done wrong. It's better to not do what you have done wrong, but it's even better than that. It is only complete when you go in the opposite direction. That is true repentance. And so Peter says you've got to repent first, and then he said let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Now, when you are baptized, you are taking on the name of Jesus. When you make a profession of faith, you are 
taking on the name of Jesus. Literally, you are called Christians, Christians, like Christ. Now, when you do that, there's a couple of things. I looked at that first and I said, you know what? Peter didn't say be baptized in water. He said be baptized in the name of Jesus. Now, we are baptized in water, but we are baptized in water in the name of Jesus. We leave that out too many times. Well, all we're thinking about is, well, we've got to go get baptized in the water. No, here's the thing. You need to be submersed. You need to be given over completely to the name of the Lord Jesus Christ first. Or you're just getting wet when you go through the water. You see, you've got to completely give yourself to Jesus. It is a wonderful thing to admit that you're wrong. It's a wonderful thing to want and need forgiveness. But you don't receive that forgiveness unless you become, unless you are immersed, unless you are baptized in the name of Jesus, into the name. We've also been studying in our marriage study that the name is greatly significant. Whenever a husband takes a wife, he gives her his name. She's no longer who she was. She is a new person under the new name. When we accept Christ as our Lord and Savior, we change. We give ourselves to Christ, and He gives us a new name. And we are associated with Him from that point on. We are baptized in the name. Yes, baptized in water, but we have to be immersed in the Lord Jesus Christ. Exodus chapter 20, verse 7. The commandment, the third commandment. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. For the Lord will not hold him guiltless who, name, who, who takes his name in vain. Now, we look at that on Wednesday night and we focus most, most of the time as I was growing up, I never thought about this other than, you know, you don't swear using the name of the Lord. And that's true. That's part of it. But also it says, you will not be held guiltless if you take the name of the Lord in vain. In other words, if you call yourself a Christian and you are not, you will not be held guiltless. If you say I'm a Christian and you don't behave like a Christian, you will not be held guiltless. You have to be immersed in the name of Jesus. To be immersed in the name of Jesus means you follow Jesus. You seek to do what Jesus did. You seek to make sure you have His approval in everything you do. Not just on Sundays, or Wednesdays, or once a year, Easter and Christmas. It's all day, every day. Now, when you take on the name, it's commanded by God that when we take on the name of Jesus Christ, that we follow Him. Jesus said it. He said, take up your cross and follow Me. Now, When you take on the name, when you're baptized, you are taking on the name of Jesus Christ. 
When you make that profession, you are taking on the name of Jesus Christ. You are an ambassador. You are a child of God. You have His name. In Ephesians chapter 2, verse 9 through 11. Let me get over there and read that to you. I've got that reference wrong. It's chapter 3 or 4. Hang on, it's one of them. Maybe it's Philippians. It is. It's Philippians. See, I got the whole thing wrong. Philippians chapter 2, verse 9, 10, and 11. It says this, Therefore God has highly exalted Him and given Him the name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, and those in heaven, and of those on earth, and of those under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Every God has given Him the name that's above every name. And when you receive that name, you better make sure that you follow Him because you will not be held guiltless for accepting the name and not fulfilling the duties of the name. Because whenever you accept the name, you enter into a relationship, a blessed relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. See, the great thing is, is we don't deserve any of it, and when Jesus accepts us, when we come before Him in repentance and asking for His forgiveness and receiving Him as our Lord and Master, seeking to follow Him for the rest of our lives, what He does, He cleanses us and makes us new, and we have a new relationship with Him. We're no longer enemies of God. We are children of God. We are His heirs of the kingdom. In Matthew chapter 26, on the, on the new baptismal certificate that, that I have printed out, I read it to you uh, last week when Landon was baptized, and there's a, some new phrases in there, and I want to talk about those for just a minute. The first phrase is, having entered into covenant with God by professing faith in Jesus Christ as the one and only Savior. You see, when we accept Christ as our Lord and Savior, we enter into a covenant relationship with God. We promise, we covenant with God that we give ourselves to the Lord Jesus Christ. It's a covenant. Very much like the marriage covenant between you and your wife or you and your husband. Except it's way more serious. Way more serious than our world looks at the marriage covenant. We've talked about it in our, our marriage class also. In Matthew chapter 26, verse 28, Jesus said, For this is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for many for the remission of sins. Whenever you accept Christ as your Lord and Savior, you enter into that covenant relationship with Him and when a covenant is stricken in the Old Testament, you see, not, not, not marked out, whenever it is established, it's usually established by the blood of a sacrifice. And the Lord Jesus was that sacrifice. It was His blood that ordained the new covenant. So when you 
enter into this relationship with Christ, you are entering into a covenant relationship with Him because He established a new covenant with His sacrifice. So that is the first phrase that we added. Having entered into covenant with God by professing faith in Jesus Christ as the one and only Savior. The next phrase that we added was committing to follow Him as Lord and Master for life everlasting. You see, that's, that's the part sometimes that we leave out completely when we're thinking about uh, accepting the Lord Jesus Christ. Everybody, or nobody wants to go to hell. I don't care what they say. Nobody wants eternal torment. But not everybody wants to commit their way to the Lord to secure heaven and not hell. Because you see, they think, well, that, that's too much. That costs too much. We'll see. If you don't accept the Lord Jesus Christ, I think you'll change your mind about two seconds after death. If it takes that long. Committing to follow Him as Lord and Master for everlasting life. In Matthew chapter 10, the Lord Jesus talks about that commitment. We've had too many people, too many people that would come and say, I, I want to be baptized. Uh, I want to profess faith in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. And then they, they do that. They come down, they pray a prayer, they go through the baptismal waters, and then they leave out of the church and they don't come back most of the time or come back sparingly and still say, I'm a Christian. I'm, my question is, are you following Christ? And if, you're, and if you're following Christ sparingly, then I want to tell you, you're not following Christ at all. You, have, you said you entered into a relationship, but you never worship, you never seek Him, you never uh, ask His guidance. You're not... Jesus said this, in Mark chapter 10, verse 38. And he who does not take his cross and follow after me is not worthy of me. You know, we don't hear that enough. There's a lot of people in this world that think all I have to do is say a prayer, be baptized, and everything's good. I can go out and live like the devil, and then Jesus will receive me uh, into heaven at the end of my life. That is a lie. That's what Satan wants you to believe so that he can still hold you in his hand and do what he wants to with you. Whenever you are saved, whenever you commit your way to the Lord Jesus Christ, you will follow Him. Or you didn't commit to Him. And He didn't save you. Now, Jesus said in verse 39, He who finds his life will lose it. And he who loses his life for my sake, we'll find it. He says, if you keep your life, if you want to rule over yourself, you're going to lose it in the end. But if you will give it to Him, not only will He make it better now, but in the end, you're going to gain everlasting life. And in Mark chapter 8, let me get over there and read that one to you as well. It says something very similar. Mark chapter 8, verse 34. 
when he had called the people to himself with his disciples also, he said to them, whoever desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Three things. Deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow him. There's so many people that after they go through the baptismal waters, they turn their back on Jesus. They don't deny themselves. They follow themselves. They deny Jesus. John chapter 12, verse 26. Jesus said, If anyone serves me, let him follow me. And where I am, there my servant will be also. If anyone serves me, him, my Father, will honor. Jesus says, if you're following me, you're going to be where I am. You're going to see God moving around you when you're following Jesus. Because that's where God is. That's where Jesus is. That's where the miracles are happening. That's where the blessings are happening. That's where obedience is. You're going to follow Jesus. And He, if you're, if you're following Him, you're going to be where He is. And you're going to see the kingdom manifested here. You're going to see the things that Jesus wants to do in and around you when you are following Him. So adding these two phrases into our certificate, I hope and pray will serve to remind us that we are entered into a covenant with God by professing faith in Jesus Christ as the one and only Savior, committing to follow Him as Lord and Master for life everlasting. That means all of this life and all of the next life. Now, John, uh, Jesus said in John 3, verse 3, you know he was speaking to Nicodemus there, and he says, Most assuredly I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Unless you're born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. You're not born again if you just come down and say a prayer and go through the waters, and there's no change. You're not born again. But if there is a change, if you are, if you truly follow the Lord Jesus Christ, there's going to be many changes. Not just a couple, not just you know, enough to maybe convince those who are close to you, but everybody will see the difference. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Jesus is not Savior unless He is Lord. You cannot have His salvation unless you make Him your Lord. To make Him Lord means that you will follow Him according to the covenant committing your way to Him completely because you have been born again and you are a new creature in Him. This is the blessed relationship that comes from taking on the name and being obedient to the Lord Jesus Christ. And this is what baptism is. The picture of what happens when a, a sinner is saved 
they die to themselves, are buried into the water, and they are raised to new life in Christ Jesus, becoming that new creature. Folks, this morning, maybe you haven't experienced that. Maybe, maybe you haven't repented of your sins and accepted Jesus, committing to follow Him forever. Maybe it was that you just said a prayer and that you went through the baptismal waters, but there's been no change. Coming to church won't save you. The preacher can't save you. The church can't. Only Jesus can. Only if you commit your way to Him and continually follow Him according to that commitment, according to that covenant. Unless you are born again, you will not see the kingdom of God. But Jesus says those who trust in Him, those who believe in Him, are new creatures. Today, seek Him with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Whatever He asks of you today, whether it be for, for you to be saved, only you know that. The Holy Spirit may be speaking to you and saying, yes, it's you. You go down. You be saved because the Lord loves you and wants you to realize and, and live His life to accept Him as Savior and Lord. Maybe there's other reasons that the Lord would call you this morning for prayer for someone or yourself. Maybe the Lord's calling you to intercede for someone today. Whatever the Lord's laid on your heart, you follow Him always because you are in a committed relationship to Him. You are under the covenant. Seek Him always. Let's pray together. Father, You are so wonderful in that You are long-suffering toward us even when we, we sin against You and rebel. Father, You forgive when we come back and repent and ask for forgiveness. And Father, if there's someone here this morning that needs you, uh, needs your salvation to be saved, impress it on their hearts right now that they need you. They need the relationship. They don't need the water. They don't need the, the prayer. They need the relationship. And Father, I'm asking for you to convict their heart to give themselves to you completely. Your invitation time is about to take place, Father. You accomplish in it what you desire. We ask that in Jesus' name. Amen. Please stand.